Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Welcome to Apparently Speaking, your podcast for all things parenting. Parenting at each stage has its own challenges and requires knowledge and understanding of that age and stage. If you are a parent or will be a parent of a preschooler, then this episode, where I'll be joined by Dr. Rob Curry, is for you. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. For over 25 years, Dr. Rob Curry has taught child psychology at Judson University in Elgin, Illinois. In addition to raising two sons, he's worked at preschools in Chicago, St. Louis, and Detroit. He has had the privilege of speaking to over 50 MOPs, Mothers of Preschoolers, meetings. Dr. Curry combines up-to-date research findings with his decades of hands-on experience with children. The result is practical tips and key insights that empower parents to connect with their preschoolers like never before. A speaker at over 50 MOPS groups and national parenting conferences, he draws a full house and they leave saying things like this, best workshop I attended all weekend, very effective communicator. My favorite workshop I attended throughout the day. He helped me to see my preschooler in a whole new light. He had so many great practical ways to handle and live with your preschooler. My husband listened to this and it has really helped him relate to our preschooler. I can agree with these statements as Dr. Rob Curry was on a previous episode talking about raising boys, and he was excellent. All those comments, I would definitely agree with. So welcome back, Dr. Rob Curry. Hello. It's good to be back. Yes. Thank you so much um, for being here again. And like I said, I loved, loved, loved our episode that we did on raising boys. So I know, no pressure or anything, but I know this one's going to be great um, as well. I'll try not to blow it. Yeah, right. So first of all, with talking about preschoolers, what ages would you say that covers? Oh, it's going to be different anywhere from one and a half to probably five and a half. And then there are characteristics of what I'm going to talk about today that you can use with older kids too, but say one okay. and a half to five and a half. All right, great. So how, what got you interested in, in you know understanding preschoolers in that specific age? Sure. When I was in graduate school, I knew that I wanted to teach. And I thought, I bet if I worked in a preschool, I'd learn a lot about kids. <laughs> Boy, I had no idea. I had no idea how much I was going to learn. I, was, I would study the veteran teachers, watch what they would do and learn from their example. And so this is my favorite story from that time. This was a large preschool in St. Louis, in the city of St. Louis. Imagine yourself, whether you're a man or a woman, you are in charge of 13 wiggly three-year-olds. You have to take them down the hall to the playground. This is a large building. It's a four-minute walk under good conditions. Think of all the possible ways that three-year-olds could misbehave. Not being nasty and mean, but screaming in the hall to hear the echo, sticking their head in and riling up a whole classroom by shouting something not offensive but lively. And yet these teachers got the kids to walk down the hall quietly and this is what they would do. They would engage the emotions of the child. Boys and girls, let's all step into the boat. We're going to row ourselves down the hall. And those kids were so busy rowing themselves down the hall, watching the waves, waving at the seagulls going overhead. They were quiet. Number one, they got to the playground without any behavioral mishaps. And as teachers, we still liked the kids when we got there. And I think both are important. So I thought, huh. This is a different approach. I need to figure out what's going on here. 
Well, that's, yeah, that's a great story. It made me think of, you know, I, I always felt like when my kids were that age, I mean, I, I thoroughly loved every second of that age and I, I would definitely do a, do it again um, if I had the opportunity. Um, and, and I felt like, yeah, I was pretty creative and I had, you know, no issues. It was great. But when I was in college and I was actually going into education, I did a summer um, program where I was basically in charge of this summer program and mostly that age range that you described and I had them all day and um, we did a lot of activities and had to come up with all these things. And, you know, I realized then that um, when I went into education, I was doing high school. Um, so I did not have quite the knack with that whole large group um, as you did. I, I probably would have... Um, would have been well suited to hear your tips for that. It was, it's definitely, um, you know, a special skill, you know, for that age. One of the reasons that it's tough with preschoolers, there, there are two reasons. Well, first of all, at other stages of growing up, we remember. So you're talking to your teenager. You remember what it was like the first day in high school. You remember what it was like to have to go from class to class. You remember mm -hmm. getting your driver's license. You remember what it was like to have a crush on the opposite sex. And if they'll let you, you can give them advice on how to do that. But most of, us, most of us remember very little about the preschool years. What did it feel like when you were three and your best friend said, I hate you and I'm never going to talk to you ever again? What did that feel like? You know, I don't remember. Most of, our list, most of your listeners probably don't remember either. What was it like when you left your tricycle in the driveway and mom backed the car over it and she came in and had that talk with you? We don't remember. And so we're having to guide them through a forest and we don't remember where the swamps are. We don't know if we should be protecting the kids from rattlesnakes or grizzly bears. And you prepare a child very differently from one than the other. So first of all, we don't remember what it's like. And secondly, even though they can talk and they have a pretty good vocabulary, they don't have the emotional vocabulary to tell us what's really going on. Now, thank God they can tell us a lot of things. My tummy hurts, my head hurts. But a lot of times they will use the same words as us, but it has a different meaning. And so we'll take their words at face value and have a complete swing and a miss as far as addressing their emotional needs. And I'll get into that, how to, how to decipher what they really mean and how to speak to their deepest needs. So why it's very interesting you said that and and you're totally right. I can I can totally understand that. I never thought of that. You know, if you're trying to relate to your maybe middle school or high school, college, even upper elementary, you know, you can remember. You know, oh, I remember I had this story and this happened to me similar and so you can relate. But you're so right. You know, those ages you don't remember maybe you know just a couple little things, but you don't remember so that would really make an impact on how you're trying to relate and understand um, your preschooler. So it's very good insight. So you think that's why it's so challenging sometimes because of that. We don't remember and because their vocabulary is a little more limited. Right. They can't say, mom, um, I'm not really sure how I feel about having a baby. I've kind of conflicting emotions. Can we sit down and talk about this? No, they, they can't do that. So what's a key concept you think we need to learn, you know, to connect better with our preschoolers? And it, at first it sounded kind of funny to me, you know, because it's not like a teenager where maybe you might feel a little disconnect. You know, you, you probably feel, you, you may not as a parent be feeling, well, I don't have a disconnect with my preschooler. You know, they're a preschooler, um, but maybe you don't realize it or, or just you're saying better. It could be better. Yeah. Uh, many preschool kids are very cuddly. So like how he's, he or she is giving me great hugs every day. Yeah, that's a good, good point. That's a good paraphrase. 
So the number one thing I want your listeners to get, I'm going to give a lot more tips on this, but the big picture is little kids don't think logically. Once in a while they do, but under stress, they don't think logically. And so what parents are guilty of is because we value logic. We're emotional creatures too, but because we value logic, we expect children to listen. And so you just think about it. When you're at mealtime, you fixed your child's favorite meal. I don't know what it is. Meatloaf and green beans. I doubt, I doubt it, but go ahead. <laughs> for once, or hamburgers and french fries. For once, for once there's going to be an argument-free meal. You're not going to have to nag your kid to eat. You're just going to be able to, and now he's not eating. And you say, come on, Bobby. Come on, Jose. You like this. Does he suddenly start eating? I don't think so. Don't you want to grow up to be big and strong? Uh, you need to eat to be healthy for your immune system. Because of COVID, you can list a hundred wonderful logical reasons, and it doesn't budge them. Kids don't think logically. They don't, they're not motivated by logic. They're driven by their feelings. So I'll give a, a quick story about this. I was at somebody's house. The mother was giving a haircut to her son. Not a bad kid, but he was super wiggly. Later in life, he was diagnosed with moderate to severe ADHD. Most three and four-year-olds act like they have ADHD. This one really did. And so he was trying to sit still for the haircut. And Miriam, I bet you can imagine what would be some good logical reasons that he should sit still during the haircut. What what might have Right, we don't sit? want you to get hurt. I don't want to cut you with the scissors. Don't you want sure. to look, you're going to look so handsome. Sure. sure. And you're an experienced parent. How well do you think that worked? Yeah, no. <laughs> he was trying. And so just on a, on a whim, I thought, can't hurt anything. I got, there was a cup on the counter nearby. I picked it up and I said, uh, whatever the boy's name was, Jose, I've got a statue pill here. I held up my empty hand. I said, I want you to take a statue pill. So he picks that up. He pops it in his mouth. I hand him the empty cup. I said, take some water and wash it down. There's no water in the cup. But little kids love pretend, right? Mm-hmm. So he takes the statue pill. He washed it down with imaginary water. He sat perfectly still for the next seven minutes until mm-hmm. mother finished the haircut. So the logic doesn't doesn't work. I will talk about why questions a little, little bit later. But for example, when a child says, why do I have to go to bed? They're not stupid. They know the reasons. Yeah. It has more to do with feelings. And we'll get into that a little later. All right. So logic, you're saying that's the key concept, you would say, just because just to remember or realize that they're not thinking logically. So all of the reasons we would give to them and examples, that's not really getting they're not really getting it because they're not driven by logic. Yes, they're driven by their feelings. And so you want to give them something feeling or feeling oriented. And I'll give lots of examples as we go through this. All right. So, yeah. What about I know you said you have a word picture for preschoolers about their feelings. Yes. So first time I presented this at a MOPS group about eight years ago, the word picture came as an afterthought. When I surveyed the moms afterwards, what did you like about the talk? What could I have done better? This is the number one thing they liked. So think of a sailboat. Some of your listeners have been on sailboats, some of them haven't, but you're all, they're all familiar with a sailboat. Think of a sailboat. If, you, if you're somewhere where you can draw a sailboat, go ahead. Draw a straight line with a triangle on the top if you're artistically challenged like me. <laughs> Think of a sailboat, just like a boat is driven by the wind. Your little guy, your little gal is driven by feelings. Uh, An example of that, I'm going to risk losing your audience, but not really. When the Barney show was on, I'm not going to sing it, but the words just drip 
feelings. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family with a great big hug from, from me to you. Right? That's feelings, 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 feelings. Uh, little kids give the best greetings. Let's say that you're married. Your spouse loves you. You have older kids. They love you. But when you come home from work or the store, you've been away, who gives you the best greeting at the door? Mommy, your yeah. daddy. Your three-year-old comes flying across. The, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You take a little one to the zoo and they see an animal they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And your eyes light up. It's it's great to be at Christmas or the first snowfall with a little kid that's never seen it before because their feelings are so intense. Mm-hmm. And so that shows us that it's really feelings that are driving them. And let me give an example that probably everyone has done. If you've been around little kids, <clears throat> imagine this scenario. You're the mom or the dad. You're the babysitter. And... It gets to be 8, 8.30, whatever your family schedule is, and it's time to put the toys away and get ready to go to bed. You say, all right, kids, it's time to put the toys away. What do most children say, Miriam? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, not yours or mine, of course, but the majority yes. are like, yeah, no, oh, never. <laughs> no, we barely got to play. If they're like, yeah. mine, they just want to play and ignore me. And then the experienced parent of babysitter for, for young kids will often say with a glint in the eye, you know, uh, it's too bad because I know I can put away the toys way faster. Yeah. Than and I did this with my grandson, who's four. He was over the house. He's having a ball beating grandpa. Mm-hmm. He's learning that being good can be fun. He's learning indirectly without realizing it, how to motivate himself to do something he doesn't want to do. Well, why don't they want to put away the toys? Because playtime was really fun. And now by dad or grandma saying you got to put away the toys, that is like, pulling the plug and now they're hemorrhaging happy feelings all over the floor. They're, they're bleeding to death emotionally. If I could be melodramatic, mm-hmm. Why, who would want to do that? You think about you or I, you've seen a long lost friend. They were on the mission field. They were another part of the country. Oh, it's like, it's like you've never been away and you connected and your family member says, Hey, hon, we need to go. You stall. You bet I do. I have, I don't want it to end. Well, Kids need a little help with that, with that too. And so, like, I can put the put away the toys faster than you. Is an indirect recognition that oh, they need help with the feelings. If I can make putting away the toys fun, then they will do it. So a saying I have for parents: when you have work that must be done, find a way to make it fun. Mm-hmm. When you have work that must be done, find a way to make it fun. Well, shouldn't oh, okay. they just chores because they have to do it? Well, let me ask you a question: How's that working? Right, right. Think of the thing that you don't like to do. Maybe it's paperwork. Maybe it's yard work, whatever. Do you ever do things that motivate yourself? You ever take a cup of make yourself a fresh pot of coffee that you can sip while you're paying the bills? Well, you should just pay the bills because you're supposed to do it. Are you kidding? We do all sorts of things to motivate ourselves. Why can't we give a three-year-old a little bit of help? Yeah, I love that. And, you know, we, we always try to do that. They, our kids loved when we timed them, you know, time oh, me how, to time me and tell me how long it's going to take me to do, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, putting this away or doing that. So we would time them and they thought, you know, and then if they were super young, though, is that a good time? And, you know, then the next time, you know, I'm going to try to beat that. So, you know, I think some parents might get caught up in, um, you know, well, they should just do it and they should just listen and obey and all that. And, and yes, but at that age, like you're saying, you know, 
they're not that's they're not thinking logically like that. They're not trying to disobey, but like uh-huh. you said, find a way to motivate them. And that really is with all ages, but you know, find a way to motivate them and something like that time them. It's a race with, you know, mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or whatever it is um to to just to motivate them, make it maybe a little bit interesting to them and you'll probably get a lot better better reaction. So I love those and I love those examples. We're going to take a quick break from our sponsor. When we come back, you know, you, you have the three specific topics where parents get frustrated. Quick tease, Miriam. I'm going to tell yes. parents what to do with the dreaded why question after the break. Okay. That's good. That's a good one. <laughs> okay. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Miriam from Apparently Speaking. Join the Mazda family like I did at Montrose Mazda Kent. You'll love the selection of new and used cars and lease options. We are on our third car from Kent Mazda. We keep going back because of the ease of purchase, and it has been by far the best deal we could find each time. Montrose Mazda Kent, they go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. So we are back talking with Dr. Rob Curry about preschoolers. A lot of great information. We just talked about, you know, how to motivate them. So your three specific topics, you know, where parents can get frustrated. We talked about one with chores and, you know, really talked about finding a way to motivate them. Yes. So uh, if you have work that must be done, find a way to make it fun. So when I speak to parenting groups, ask them for their ideas. And one said that. When they have to dust, she tells the kids that the feather duster is a magic wand. Uh-huh. Now, what I find when I talk to parents, in most marriages, there's one person that's creative and fun and, and latches onto this, oh, that's great, I'm doing that kind of stuff. And there's someone that says, wait a minute. That doesn't sound very logical to me. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm lying to my child. Well, this is what I would say to you. Preschoolers get it. They know what's imaginary and they know what's real. They're really, really good at that. And so if you say, kids, let's pretend this is a feather dust. You're not lying to your child. You're inviting them to join in the story. Another uh, one boy, when he has to put the dishes away, he pretends as he's like a crane, one of those <laughs> big machines, and he makes the beeping noises. You know, and he's probably a little slower because of that, I'm guessing. But you know what? He's finding out that doing a chore can be fun. And uh, someday that daughter-in-law is going to thank that that boy's mother for training him to do things around the house and feeling like it can be okay. Another mom, when it's time to clean the kitchen floor, they put the the soapy water in squirter bottles. And she says, kids, you see those those dirt spots on the floor? Go ahead and blast them. It's like a video game. Like the kids are are squeezing and scrubbing and they're they're shooting and and scrubbing it because it's like a game where they want to beat the dirt. Right. Instead of fighting it, find a creative way. And they're like we said, they're not doing it. They're not, you know, trying to disobey or whatever, but get creative with them, get make it a little fun and you have a lot better results. Yes. Now, some parents feel like, oh, come on, you want to be an activity director for <laughs> no, I, I haven't got that many ideas. You don't have to help the child with everything. Yeah. You only help them where they need it the most. You just need a little help here, here and there. For one, he's a fussy eater. So you're going to focus on that. Another one, it's something else going on. Okay, so you're going to focus on that. And so you don't have to be an idea a minute person. Nobody can nobody can sustain that over the long haul. Right. But you don't have to. It's a, a couple of times a day with a couple of key things. You know, the kid melts down every time you have to leave the park to go home, and it ruins the evening for everybody. Okay, that would be a strategic point to give them a little mm. help. 
So find the specific things, maybe the thing that they struggle with the most, and then use that, you know, do something creative with that. But like you said, not everything. Right. I like that. Um, okay, let's talk about the why questions because, right, preschoolers, I think, are famous for that, you know, just everything, you know, why? Why do I have to go to bed? Why do I, why do we have to stop doing this? Why do we, everything is a why? Yes. So, first of all, there are two types of why questions. The first is a curiosity question. As, as the parent, you know which one you're getting. The <laughs> other one is a complaining question. If I say, Daddy, why? Are the why do the birds fly so fast? That's a that's a tell tell me more. Mm-hmm. It can also be isn't that cool? I, I I'm expressing a feeling here, but if you say to your child, "All right, we need to put the toys away and go to bed," oh, why do I have to go to bed? Your kid isn't stupid. <laughs> she knows she needs rest. She probably knows that animals sleep. She knows that if she stays up late or other people stay up late, they get crabby. She's not stupid. But as parents, we have to realize that with the word why is a different emotion. It's a cry for help. They don't know how to say, this is the hardest thing I've gone through all day to leave the park. I'm really hurting emotionally. Can you say something to help me? And what you know what the kids get? Stop complaining. You have three hours to play. You should You should be grateful that I took you to the park. Or, unfortunately, some parents will say, stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Right. We would never do this to each other. If if I lost my job, Miriam, and you're my good friend, I go, oh, Miriam, I can't believe it. Why did they, why did I lose my job? You wouldn't say, well, you know, the economy's tough with COVID, a lot of people. <laughs> you wouldn't give me a logical answer. You would recognize a cry for help, and you would say, oh, boy, I know. I can't imagine. You would give me some kind of emotional help. But but we miss the signals with our kids. Let me give you an example from one of my sons. This wasn't a, I'll, I'll give you a why do I have to go to bed example in a moment. But he was a preschooler. We were driving from Chicago to Fort Wayne to visit my parents. There was some low-lying fog by the side of the road. And he says, Daddy, why is there fog? And I didn't know all this that I was doing with you. So I, I missed an opportunity to connect at a deeper level with my son. I thought it was a request for information. So I'm a college professor. That's what I do. I explain <laughs> things for a living. I said, well, there's moisture in the air. And it's down low instead of up high. I thought that's pretty good. Daddy, why is there fog? <laughs> well, it's kind of like clouds, only instead of up in the sky. Now, Daddy, what? You must have asked me 10 times. You know what he was saying? But he didn't have the words for it. And I didn't have the ears for it. Dad, isn't that the coolest thing you've ever seen? Uh-huh. Isn't that awesome? Well, son, it's moisture. It's collected in here. No, 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 Dad. I'm inviting you to the party. Don't you want to dance? Don't you want to sing? Isn't the best thing you ever saw? Well, son, it's like clouds. <laughs> he was reaching out to me for feelings. He gave me plenty of tries. You know, it wasn't three strikes and you're out. Dad, I'll give you another chance. I'll pitch with some right down the middle. And I whiffed. I whiffed. Uh, years later with extensive therapy, he has managed to recover. <laughs> good. Okay, good. <laughs> I missed it now. I wrote a book that's on Amazon called Preschool Wisdom, and you got to type my name. If, magically, if you type in the title of the book, it doesn't show up. Oh, that makes sense. Of Amazon, <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Preschool Wisdom by Rob Curry. But I was working on that book, and I learned that the why question can be a cry for help with feelings. So my son was older. It was long past the preschool year, so I don't know if this will work. Let's see what happens. So we have a summer picnic. 
uh, pre-COVID, of course, down the block. The adults talk. The kids play. Everyone's having a great time. The kids are having so much fun that it's, you know, there's no discipline problem. We're all eating way too much. The weather's perfect. It goes by way too fast. So I say, all right, uh, Sam, we have to leave in, in five minutes. We have to go home in five minutes. Five minutes went by in 10 seconds for both of us. I said, okay, it's time for us to go. He's heading for the door. He's walking out with me. He's obeying. He says to me, Dad, why do we have to leave? You hear the tone of my voice. Does that sound like a request for information or a cry for help with his feelings? Oh, yeah, cry for help. Yeah, he was maybe 10 or 11 years old. I said, let's try this. This is my, my new theory. Let's see what <sighs> happens. You know, logically, like, well, we got to get our rest and all right. this. Right. <laughs> he wasn't asking for that. So I said, I amped up my emotions. I was a little disappointed to leave, but not as much as he was. I said, darn it, Sam, I don't want to go either. I'm having too much fun. And he was fine. We walked mm -hmm. home. He asked for some emotional help. I gave it to him. He went home. He got his pajamas on, had a snack, story, sleep. No problem at all. Hmm. The other right. story. Oh, yeah, I did tell you that story. Yeah, so that's that's uh, that, the complaining why question. So why do I have to leave the park? It's can you do something to help me? So I learned this from a friend of mine. His, his little girl has grown up to be a wonderful adult. We have a meltdown every day when it was time to leave the park and come across the street, come in and eat dinner. Well, think about it. Playtime's ending. She's probably hungry, which makes her crabby. They got two strikes against them. So he taught her to say, goodbye, park. Don't worry. I'll come back tomorrow. It's okay. So they were helping her process her feelings, and then she could go home and eat dinner and not and have such a meltdown. And I'm thinking as you're telling me these these wonderful stories, and the, again you're drawing me in. I'm listening to these, but you it it doesn't. What what thought came to my mind is it doesn't require any more work or effort on the part of the parent to do that mm -hmm. than to just you know the normal reaction. A lot of people might say is yes because you need your rest, or well we have to leave because you know it's time we've been here long enough, or you know the logical answer. But yeah. doing the you know giving them that emotional help, that emotional answer it's the same effort on the side of the parent, right? Yes. And sometimes less, it's, it's just draining to deal with a complaining child. Right. Find a way to, to quiet the complaining. You feel a lot better. You have more energy for other things. Right. And for the parent that is, you know, how you mentioned earlier, I think, you know, the parent that's kind of more like, well, they should just listen because it should listen. Da, da, da. Well, again, that's kind of out the window because they're, they don't think logically they're preschoolers. And for those kind of why questions, it's not that they're trying to, you know, disobey, but they're having that cry for help, like you said. So just give them that, like you said, well, I know I don't like to go to bed or either. I like to stay up late too. So, you know, those kind of things just so you can relate to them. Right, right. And if it's your kiddo, you can anticipate when a lot of the problem mm -hmm. time. It might not be leaving the park every day. I might be leaving a, a friend's house. I've coined a term for the crabby attitude that starts when the fun ends. I call it the Chuck E. Cheese syndrome. <laughs> if you ever taken a kid there and then brought him out of the out of the Chuck E. Cheese, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. That's funny, exactly right. And like you said, know your you know your kids, so you know what those triggers are going to be. You know what what it is, whether it's bedtime or you know leaving the a place, the park, a friend's house, whatever it may be. So you can kind of anticipate those and come up with something like that. Just like, I think that's cute. You know, bye park. I'll see you later. You know, we'll be back. And I remember my, my kids used to do some things, you know, similar to that too. Um, I'll swing yeah. on you tomorrow swing. And, and it just, it helps. Yeah. It really does. Right. 
That's yeah. Great. Okay. What about picky eaters? That's another big one. I think parents of preschoolers um, would would say if they kind of had frustrations um, about picky eaters. What about that? Sure. So logic is not going to work. Everything okay. my dad says is exactly right, but you know what? It doesn't work. Do you want to be correct or do you want to connect with your child? Oh, I like that. I mean, you can you can teach them at other times. You might say, now this is going to help you grow up and be healthy and strong and so on, but that's not going to get them to eat. And so I get ideas, as I said before, when I speak to parenting groups. So here's one that I got from a mom. She said, when my three-year-old doesn't want to eat anymore, we make a game when we roll dice. We roll the dice. Whoever rolls the best number, they take that many bites. She likes to roll the dice, and then she'll eat that many bites, and she finishes her meal. Well, I shouldn't have to do that. After all the things I provide for her, yeah, how's that working? So we just have to let go of logic for a little, for a few years and, and make it fun. When my boys, one day, um, it was my turn to cook dinner. It was really simple, like probably hamburgers and then cantaloupe. Now, now fruit is an easier sell than vegetables for a lot of yes. kids because it's juicy, but I wasn't taking any chances. <laughs> and so the way that we eat cantaloupe at our house, we cut the rind off so you can just, just dive in. So think about how little time this would take. Again, you know your kids and what how you could adapt it to them. I put some toothpicks out the side of each side of the cantaloupe. Think of the shape of a slice of cantaloupe. I put a, a, a toothpick in the top, sticking up straight in the, uh, of the cantaloupe. Then I took part of a three by five card and I taped it to the, to the perpendicular stick. So it'd be like a Viking ship. <laughs> it took me about 40 seconds to make. So the kids come to the table, we say grace. I said, boys, that is a Viking ship it wants to hurt your mom and take all your toys. That cantaloupe had no chance. It was gone. <laughs> I no love time. that. That's so cute. The most powerful story I have for you is uh, I did a talk on a Tuesday, and the next week I did the same talk on the next Tuesday. Same place, same leader, but a different set of women listening. So the poor director got the other same talk two times. Her little girl would only eat chicken nuggets. So six nights a week when they're having something other than chicken nuggets, Mealtime is a battle. So she was fixing sweet potatoes, uh, you know, whipped sweet potatoes. Yep. It was Halloween time. So she said, you know what? I'm going to take a shot at this. So she says just, it's a bowl of Halloween, uh, sorry, excuse me, a bowl of uh, mashed sweet potatoes. It's not studded with candy. She says, who wants Halloween treats? Because it's orange. Her daughter devoured it. Uh that isn't logical. Yeah. Oh, yes. Now you're, you're you know, you're catching yeah. on. Exactly. So find a way to make it fun. You know, yeah. little, little imagination. You don't need a lot of props. Kids outclass us in their imagination. You know what? Okay, kids, we're going to be astronauts today. We're going to float to the table. Fortunately, the belt you're wearing is an anti-gravity belt. It'll keep you at the table. We're going to have astronaut apples, astronaut pickles, astronaut rolls. Everything is the same. You just call it astronaut whatever. Or Cinderella or whatever your kid's into. Your kid's in the castles. All right. All right. We're eating in the castle and the, and it makes it fun and then they want to do it. Yeah. I, I My kids will still ask for like, they'll call it like fancy lunch or fancy whatever, you know, and they, they love it. It's just the presentation. It can be the same food, but I'll put it on fancy, you know, China or I'll get like the fa a fancy glass for them and just kind yeah. of try to make it like, you know, quote unquote fancy. And they, yeah. they still love that. That's great. Yeah. 
Um, and I love what you said. I wrote it down and I'm going to, I'm going to, I love that. Do you want to be correct or do you want to connect with your child? And I think that can apply to all ages. Um, you know, and obviously that depends, you know, the situation, but, but I really like that. I think that's something really important to remember, you know, as we're talking about these preschoolers, do you want to make a big thing and try to be correct and try to teach them this lesson that they're not going to, you know what I mean? When they're not, that's not really what's happening. Or do you want to make that connection with them? Yes. I really love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping that. I wrote that down. Um, so, you know, just kind of in closing, just what we what I just kind of touched on now, you know, do you really think these creative approaches are necessary? Some people might still be, you know, skeptical, like, yeah, but I don't have time for that. I have other kids. I have, you know, a job. And so they just need to do, you know, do what I said. So what I would suggest is that parents try it. Mm-hmm. Try creative approaches. And one of the most powerful things you can do is if you if you really believe that little kids are motivated by their feelings, look for chances to give them re, to reward positive behavior. I mean, you don't run to the store and buy a toy. You might just say, good job. Mm-hmm. And again, when I speak to parents, I collect ideas. The, listen how easy these things are, how little or no preparation it takes. Dance. Uh, one of her uh, kids was learning to potty train, and every time they would go at potty, the mom and the kiddos would all dance. High five, clap, cheer, fist bump, stickers. One mom's uh, do a fist pump and announce a character and then talk in that voice. Fist bump, Kermit the Frog. I'm not an impersonator, but that's <laughs> easy. Fun. There's no props. To, oh, we left those at the house. You know, yeah. you're bored. Sorry, the props are at my husband's house. No, those are all, all in your head. Uh, a closing story, unless you have more. My wife is going out of town for a conference for two and a half days. And at this stage, my boys were preschool or a little older, and we were the neighborhood hangout. So for 16 hours a day, I would be in charge of five kids, five boys from age three to seven. Not bad kids, but but active. I thought, unless I unless I do something, the house is going to be a wreck when my wife gets home. I'll be a wreck. The kids will be a wreck. And then that will ruin her time away. She'll feel like, oh, I can't, I can't ever go away again. I said that. I can't do that to her. I'm going to have a good time this weekend, even if it kills me. <laughs> so this is an old story. So it's old technology, but you could update it. I had one of those, those tank like Fisher price tape recorders. You know, those are indestructible. Yeah. Now you could just record things on your phone or digital recorder, whatever. And what I did was very simple. I would catch my act, my kids in the act of doing something good. The first morning she was gone, my son, Steven woke up. I said, Oh, Steven, you need to do a good job waking up. I'm going to put that in the tape recorder. All he did was open his eyes. <laughs> Fine. Then they're eating breakfast. And so we recorded it. Hi, Mommy. The boys are eating a good breakfast. And then they'd say, Hi, Mom. They were having so much fun uh-huh. being rewarded. I had to do almost no disciplining that week. And they were having so much fun. Uh, another word picture. Little kids are like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds have voracious appetites. They need lots of sugar water to keep their energy going. Kids need their emotional tank refilled. You reward them for positive behavior. I was working at a preschool in the Chicago area. I, I, uh, I got a chance to talk to the staff. The next morning, at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, we're outside in the playground, and a staff member says to me, I decided to try your approach. She's got like 10 kids in a room. She said, my room's already running better. Wow. If you reward, well, I shouldn't have to do that. Well, would you like to have better behaved kids and enjoy them more than you ever had before? What, what if you gave it a try? 
I love that. Yep. Just give it a try. And like you said, it's the things that you're talking about. They don't require a lot of effort, a lot of thought, a lot of props, anything like that. And so give it a try. And I, I, I guarantee, you know, you'll see a difference. So I want to thank you again so much. I think it was such great information. Um, I wish I had preschooler still so I could try this stuff on, (laughs) but no, I mean, I think that we did a lot of that and we did see a difference and I, and I still, even when they're, as my kids are getting older, still some of those things, obviously you have to, you know, scale it a little differently, but it still works. And, you know, and they still want that emotional connection and they still want that, you know, kind of, uh, reward, you know, kind of just, just with your words and things like that. So, um, I think, I think a lot of these things can last throughout, you know, throughout their childhood. So thank you so much. It was just wonderful information, wonderful stories as I knew it would be. How can listeners find or connect with you? Well, I have a website, uh, robcurryauthor.com. I have a book on Amazon called Preschool Wisdom, but you have to type in my name with it for some reason. Preschool Wisdom, Rob Curry, that's C-U-R-R-I-E. The book is written from the standpoint of a little girl, so you get to see how kids see it, take you inside a young child's mind. It's not a PhD psych professor explaining things to you. You get to go inside the mind of a little kid and see how your kid sees the world. I love that. That sounds really good. Thank you again so much, Dr. Curry. Thank you, Miriam. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at mazdakent.com. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.